Thank you for joining us for this recent message from Freedom Ministries in Crossit, Arkansas. Connect with us online at freedomministriescrossit.com and let us know what God is doing in your life through this ministry. Now prepare your heart to hear a word that we pray will bless your life. going to identify for you three classes of demon predators. We are on a wolf hunt tonight. We're going to be dealing with some territorial spirits in this region that God's talked to me about. I finished writing this message this afternoon because this is not like the original. There's a little bit of everything in there. We're going to be talking about intimidating spirits, intimidators. We're going to be talking about suffocators. We're going to be talking about terminators. Acts 13, beginning with verse 6. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they found a magician, a Jewish false prophet whose name was Bar-Jesus who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence. This man summoned Barnabas and Saul. We're talking about the guy that we know as the Apostle Paul. And sought to hear the word of God. But Elemus the magician, for so is his name translated, was opposing them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, fixed his gaze on him and said, You who are full of all deceit and fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, Will you not cease to make crooked the straight ways of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you. You will be blind and not see the sun for a time. And immediately a mist and a darkness fell upon him. And he went about seeking those who would lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had happened. Come on, somebody. Being amazed at the teaching of the Lord. Now Paul and his companions put out to sea from Paphos. And they, uh, they went on to preach the gospel. What was it that made that deputy, that proconsul, believe? It was the authority of God that was in Paul. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read a lot of scripture right here initially, foundationally. I'm going to buzz through some things that have to do with the authority of Christ, who we are in Christ positionally, and where we stand with him. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 through 23. Then we're going to be jumping to Philippians, but I'm going to read some more in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. Where is that authority found? Y'all going to help me preach this a little bit? That authority is found in Christ. How many of you have received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Yes, hallelujah. And so it says here, verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. That's for you and me. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. Whose might? Jesus. I want you all to just literally roll through these scriptures with me, with me, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things, say all things, in subjection under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. In that passage of Scripture, it says who the Son of God is, uh, who your Jesus is, uh, the one who's living inside of you, and who you are in him and through him. Do you hear me? You're mightier than you know. It's a, it's a relational 
positional authority in Christ. Go to Philippians chapter 2. Uh, if you don't know where it is, you're in Ephesians, take a hard right. Philippians 2, verse 9. And for this reason also God highly exalted him. Who? Jesus. He bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, say Jesus. Jesus. You know what? I think you can do better than that. Can you do it loud enough to make devils shake? Jesus. It's a start. Okay. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Understand this. Uh, first heavens, second heavens, this is where the devil kind of hangs out. Third heavens, up in the actual heavenlies. Uh, whenever you pray, the devil's trying to block those prayers from getting up to God. When God's sending the answer, he's trying to block that prayer from getting back down, that answered prayer from getting back down to earth. Are you with me so far? We're talking tactics and strategy right now. What we're saying tonight is important for you and for this arena and this area. So at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, heaven, earth, under earth, and that every tongue, verse 11, will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah, somebody. So all power in heaven and earth was given to Jesus. Jesus said, I am he that liveth and was dead. That's what he said to John the Revelator. And I'm alive forevermore, amen, and I have the keys of hell and death. Wouldn't you like to have been there? Keys, please. They said you were dead. Psych. But he said to us, how many here are disciples of Jesus Christ? There's only two choices. You're not, you are, you're in or you're out. You're not, or you are. So if you're not, this place might get a little warm in here in a minute to you, possibly. He said to us, the works that I do and greater works, greater works, shall you do because you're mine. You're my disciples. You belong to me. The devil knows you belong to me. Do you know you belong to me? Do you know who you are? <laughs> Hallelujah. It goes on to say in Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to read something from Ephesians again and also from, uh, from the Gospel of Luke. But Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. And he has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Remember, that's far above all principalities uh, and powers. Uh, it says in the book of Luke uh, chapter 9. Verse 1 and 2, then he called his 12 disciples, remember this, together. He gave them power and authority over all devils to cure disease. He sent, to, uh, he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. That's what he sent them out to do. Okay, here's the thing. The game plan hasn't changed. So what are we doing in churches today that's not New Testament? We're not living up to. What are we not doing? What are we, we're not healing. We're not delivering. We're not even getting people saved. We're teaching them that they can be accepted in our church. That's okay. But there's some change that needs to take place too. There's a transformation. Luke chapter 10, verse 19 and verse 20. He said, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and all over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you, hallelujah. 
Now, it goes on to say in the next verse, now, don't rejoice because demons are subject to you. And I want to say that to you as well. Don't rejoice about that, but rejoice because your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So people read that. Let me tell you what happens with our mental ascension on this thing. We kind of go right to part of that verse, and we skip the other part of it, and we forget the original command. So here's the thing. God wants you not to rejoice because you got Jews. That's just normal Christianity. So devils being scared to death of the Jesus in you and screaming and coming out when you pray for people are just starting to bug out when you walk into the room. Look, you ought to be so full of Jesus that devils hit the windows when you come in. Some of y'all got relatives and they're just so full of the devil. And you go to your next family reunion and shake things up, baby. Shake things up. That one auntie that is so full of the devil, but she acts like she's so full of God. You go in with the real deal, Jesus, and expose that thing so your family can be set free. All right, I'll stop meddling. So what we do is we rejoice because our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. But then we just say, I think I'm just going to stay here and rejoice and not go do the work. When we're supposed to be storming the gates of hell. He also told Peter, the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. And here's what's going on. We're not using our weapons. We're supposed to be armed and dangerous. This is an arming service. Two-part altar call. We're going to break stuff, so we're going to demonstrate God's perfect breaking technique tonight. His technique is flawless. Oh, yes, it is. And then... We're going to arm you. We're going to anoint you. We're going to anoint you to go see captives set free. We're going to anoint you to go shift the atmosphere where you work. We're going to anoint you to walk down the street of your town and take over and pray. You got to understand, I'm raised in a family that planted churches, and I can remember being a kid sitting in the back seat of, uh, of my dad's grand marquee thing. I mean, a big old boat of a car. We're rolling down the highway, fat, you know, and, and mama is, uh, I wish I had that car. Man, velour interior, come on. <sighs> I miss that car. It's like riding in an easy chair, you know, and we're driving. My mom was like five foot two with her bouffant hair <laughs> and always wound up. We drive past like a soothsaying pot. You know, y'all know that place, I got that red hand on it like that. My mama starts speaking in tongues. We're getting close. And I'm like, what's going on? I feel something. Mama go. Mama said, I curse that place in the name of Jesus. Uh, leading people into darkness. She said, burn it down, Lord. <laughs> mama. Two weeks later, we drove by, and that place was gutted. <laughs> I look at my little brother. I say, you think mama's an arsonist? What's up? You don't mess with a praying mama. You know what I'm saying? Well, why can't you drive past that crack house and do the same thing? Right? Where's the sister that made me food last night? Where are you, sis? Are you in here? Where where, where, where you be? You're, you're, look, so, so she gave me something to eat, and she said, I made this for you. I heard that you're eating low carb, and it tastes like cardboard. I made you something. Here, we call it a crack slaw. It's good. Take it, take it back to the hotel with you. Eat it. And I'm like, I, I turned past her, Angie. I said, crack slaw. She says, oh, she makes one called sin cake, too. 
Can I pick at you a little bit? So I, I ate every last bit of it. Uh, I was up all night. I don't know what's up with that. That wasn't right. That was not right. Bad, bad, bad preacher. Bad preacher. I thought it had to have been God. It had to have been God. So here's the thing. You're an amazing cook. You need to work on your branding. Because I can just see somebody trying to recreate your recipe, somebody from the church that said, honey, um, how much, do, is, is it like a half a cup of sin that we put in this sin cake? What? I don't even want to try that other one. I, I might get caught buying the ingredients. I don't know. <laughs> Random stuff comes out of my mouth. God help us. <laughs> he said, thank you, Jesus. You're not kin to me, so you can say that. Circus elephants get um, caught when they were, they're young. They catch it when they're young. They put them into captivity. They, they put a big chain around, and they keep growing the, 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 the shackles on their feet as they grow. They're only taken out of their paddock. They're fed in the paddock. They're fed in that stall. They're taken out to do their tricks, and they take this pointed goad, and they stick them through their thick hide to make a mood. That, and then if they're in the circus, they're just following another elephant around in a circle and just see another elephant's backside all day long. How great is that? And they grow up in that environment in captivity. And then every now and then you see something on some video come out on YouTube or something of this elephant's getting stuck by this guy and beat on and cussed at. And all of a sudden the elephant turns around and goes, wait a minute. I weigh 5,000 pounds. You, on the other hand, are going to be what they clean out from between my toenails here in just a minute. And, 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 they, and they just like break the chain and go berserk, and they're like flipping cars over. And what would happen if the church became the church? What would happen if you realized the full vested authority and the power of God that has been given you through the blood of Jesus Christ? Uh, what if all of a sudden you became unchained? Who are you? You are holy warriors. So let me give you some truth. There will always be an aggressor who will continue to fight you until you reach heaven. Satan steals, kills, and destroys. He will steal your gift. He will kill your joy. He'll destroy your faith. There will never be a day when you can afford to be unprepared or unarmed. So church, you have a choice. You can be passive and intimidated or bold and aggressive. Go to Judges chapter 7, verse 24, and I'm, I'm not even going to read it. I'm just going to give you the story, and it goes over into chapter 8, verse 4. Gideon, God got him down from 32,000 to 300 men. By the way, God told me he was going to give me 300 young people that were going to be like that, that group. Every now and then I meet one. They're scary. In a good way. He takes those 300. He's kicking the Midianites' butt who have been oppressing them for years and keeping them in slavery. Midian literally took all of their homes, took all of their crops, and even took their farm implements from them. And they're living up in the hills and caves uh, trying to survive. 32,000 people come to the call. First, 
Gideon has to deal with his daddy's house, which was all Baal worshipers, and even his daddy was impressed. Oh, my God, God son, does my son, I think I'm going to serve God or something. And they're whipping up on Midian supernaturally with the power of God. Finally, Ephraim, one of the tribes that kind of held back, come to help them. And they take out the two Midianite generals named Oreb and Zeb. That's what you're reading that if you find that, find that verse. They take the heads of the generals and they put them on a rock for everybody to see. We're talking about intimidating the intimidator. Now you're saying, we don't hear stuff like this. I mean, what people, you don't hear that preached on TV. Yeah, you're right. And then it says, Gideon, weary, continued. Ephraim was going, well, see that? We, we just now got to the party, and we got the heads of these generals. Gideon said, look, y'all, I ain't fighting with you. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for doing that. Let's put these heads up here. And it says, weary, Gideon continued to pursue. And Ephraim would just kind of walk around preening like this. That's not what the point of this story is. The point is this. Stop competing with one another. We don't fight other churches. We don't come against other denominations. We're on the same side. We don't have to agree on every little single point of doctrine or about how we run our churches or about how we run our ministry. We better get united in the light against those things that are destroying the kingdom of God and the people of the living God. But when those heads were put up on the rock, it was a signpost. Uh, it meant something. Well, what are you talking about? Let me just kind of take you through something here. Years ago, I was carpooling with a bunch of guys, and we were driving out from the countryside in Texas where my, uh, my wife's folks had a ranch. We were living out on the backside of that property, and we would go down this one lonely stretch of highway, headed into Dallas to work, and I was working in a church, but I was working graveyard shift to kind of help make ends meet. You know, just, just do what we need to do. A farmer, and this guy must have been a dead shot. Every time a coyote or a bobcat would come up across his land, he had cattle, so he had little baby calves, but he had sheep and he had angora goats that was, like, valuable. So he was death on coyotes. He was death on bobcats. You know what this cat did? Every time he killed one, he didn't skin it out. He didn't keep the hide. He didn't throw it in a hole. He would take it over to one of his cedar fence posts, and he would take a big spike, and he would take a hammer, and he would drive the skull of that predator through that nail, boom, 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 and just let it hang there to rot. And I'm like, I'm driving with some guys from that part. Of the, I'm going like, you know, I'm a country boy, but that old, that's... And smell, you did not want to have your windows rolled down when you went past it because there were like various stages of decay, some for years, you know, and they wasn't hardly nothing. And some of y'all looking at me like I'm crazy right now. We've already established that. I'm crazy, okay? So just get over it. I'm looking at that. I'm going, what's up with that? And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said uh, he's marking his territory. He's letting them know, you come after my baby lambs, you're done. Throughout the scriptures, they would take people's heads. Now, I, please, if you know somebody who's really in sin, that's not what I'm telling you to do, okay? We're talking about a spiritual principle here. Okay, spiritual principle, nobody cuts anybody's heads off. Okay, we'll leave that for the bad guys to do, okay? We're talking about spiritual forces. <laughs> oh, I can't believe I actually had to explain that in a church. Okay. It's about intimidating the intimidator. He sent a message. What did David do? Do you remember what David did? We talk about David, <laughs> boom, hits Goliath. Goliath comes down. 
Then he walks over, picks up Goliath's own sword. He cuts off his head. Now, as a trophy, he gets all of Goliath's stuff. He gets his armor. He goes and puts that in. He's supposed to report now to Saul and to Saul's general. And what does he do? He doesn't put on Goliath's armor and drag it around, little bitty guy that he was. He doesn't even take Goliath's sword. He takes Goliath's head. You and I would have sold the armor on eBay. Or we've been walking around dragging that sword behind us. Look at me, man. I suck you, Goliath. Can you believe how bad I am? Come on. He goes in with the Saul hasn't recognized this kid. This is how David introduces himself for real. He might have been the little kid playing the harp and singing. He might have been hanging around and bringing his, his big brother's bread and sandwiches and stuff. And now he comes walking in and goes, hi, I just did what you didn't do. Hey, Joab, here, here you hold this. <laughs> Bloody hand. I'm David, son of Jesse. There's new sheriff in town. <laughs> Come on, somebody. What? Oh, Jehu and Elisha are anointed by Elijah to polish off the rest of Ahab and Jezebel's people. Ahab and Jezebel have been totally corrupt and evil. Jehu comes out, slays the kings of Judah and Israel who were corrupt. Elijah prophesied that prophet Elisha would take care of it with Jehu, the warrior. When the prophets and the warriors come together, something synergistic happens that's absolutely amazing in the kingdom of God. But I'm telling you this story for a reason. I'm talking about heads now, and I hope I'm not grossing you out because I'm actually making a spiritual principle. It sounds a little bit graphic, but when Jehu finishes off Jezebel's kingdom, he's the guy with the, he was incredible with a bow. He would shoot from a distance, hit them right between the shoulder blades, knock them out of their chariot. He's slaying kings left and right. He finally comes up, and now it's just Jezebel left up in her tower. And I mean, by this time, you know, I mean, she might have been fine when she was young, but she still thought she could pull it off. She hangs out of the tower. She would literally dip her eyelids in paint like this. And she's hanging out of the tower, Jehu. But it was prophesied by Elijah that the dogs was going to eat up Jezebel and lick up her blood. And that there wouldn't be nothing left of her. So he said, hey, y'all just cast that old witch down. Can y'all do that? And they throw her down, and boom, she was kibbles and bits. Done. But God said, you're not through. All right, I want you to pay attention. Now go wipe out the rest of their family. There doesn't need to be anything left. Now, I'm talking about sin, not people, here in just a minute. Are you hearing me? He goes to Samaria where they've been hiding out, Jezebel and Ahab's kids and grandkids. And Jehu sends a letter on ahead, sends a runner, and says, I have a message for you. Since you guys have chariots and you've got, you've got swords and you've got spears and you all supposed to be all, almighty and stuff, I'm going to be there about this time tomorrow, so well, let's get it on. Or when I get there, if you have all of those people's heads, 70 of them all told, in two baskets on either side of the gate, uh, we'll let bygones be bygones and you guys get a pass and you get to live. Jehu comes riding up and there's two baskets of heads. He steps up between them and says, now is Elijah's prophecy fulfilled? Looking around. We're talking about sending a message. Everything that the man of God said years ago that would happen has now come to pass, and Jezebel's kingdom is over.
It's over. It's over. We don't understand this, preacher. Colossians chapter 2. Pastor, I'm so honored to be able to come do this here. Thank you for the covering. But if there's anybody here, you, you, you straight up intercessors, would you please cover me in prayer from here on out? Right now, there are people praying all over the place for this service. They're praying unselfishly for revival breakthrough here for you. Will you please not miss this opportunity? Will you? Can I just say it like this? Why are you sharing these stories? Hey, guys, freeze. Freeze. I know you heard what I said. I know you want to come up here and kneel at the altars. Pray in your seat. This time. You're good. You guys have been amazing. Every time I say, well, somebody started interceding, every, every service, they've got up and went down to the altar. I wish other churches would do that. That is so cool. But you're good. Pray right there. I don't want you to miss any of this. Did you know that Jesus takes trophies? Colossians 2, verse 14 and 15. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements against us, which was contrary to us, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. (laughs) Having disarmed, which means spoiled, principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, which means he shamed them triumphing over them in it. It actually means he made a bold display. Whenever David's nephew Abishai, when David, remember I talked about David and Absalom, whenever David was leaving the kingdom and having to flee from his own son Absalom, Abishai, his nephew, stuck with him. And when they were mocking the king David, who would one day come back, and aren't you glad that our king is coming back? Hallelujah. Abishai, that loyal nephew who was learning the ways of the giant killer, looks at his Uncle David and said, shall I take the head of this dog? (laughs) You don't know who Abishai was? When David is older in life, after he's trained all these mighty men of valor who came from all kinds of walks of life, battle-scarred warriors, uh, many of them who just didn't fit in anywhere, uh, uh, who came under David and united the kingdoms of Israel and Judah, and all of them, the giant killing, transferable anointing that was on David. Uh, who They're living in a cave. Uh, they're hiding out with him. Uh, but they came out of that cave mighty. Later on in life, when David is, is, is older, he goes out to battle. He always went out to battle with his men. Can I just stop right here and help you understand something? We have a false honor system in the church today. Unfortunately, sometimes uh, we are supposed to honor, but we don't always honor how we should. Honor those in authority over you, but also honor one another. Honor one another. What I like about David, this is the cat that whenever they're hiding up in the cave and he's looking down on Bethlehem where he used to get water when he was a kid out of the well, he, said, he says to his men, y'all remember that story? He goes, I wish I had a cool drink of water out of that well down there. And three of his guys said, we own it. Fight their way down through a garrison of Philistines downhill. Is it Philistines or Philistines? I've been preaching 40 years. I still don't know for sure. Anyway. Okay, anyway, so... <laughs> They go all the way down. Now one of them's holding a, a cup of water, and the other two are fighting uphill. 
David's watching. He's going, I, would, I wouldn't have even. And they're, they're coming back up here. Got the water, chief. <laughs> we had to kill a couple hundred guys, but <laughs> here's your water, man. And David's like, I can't drink this. I can't believe what you just did for me. You just did it because you love me. Father, I offer this up to you as a drink offering. You think he wanted it? He's so hot and dry and dusty, and it was the water he drank as a kid. He wants to drink it, and he says, I love you guys. Unto you, Lord. And the men roar. So when Abishai sees King David later in life in a battle, and one of the relatives of Goliath, we talk about killing giants and dragon slaying, stuff like that. One of the relatives of the giant, one of the last living ones. I love this, Pastor. Oh, by the way, what did I mean by what I just said? Honor one another. Honor flows both ways. You know why I got all these young people wanting to run with me? You know, I got pastors who will leave their church on a Sunday and turn it over to somebody else. Say, I just want to go run do revival with you because, and you, I don't deserve that. I don't deserve that. It's amazing when we look at one another and we see the gifts in one another and we honor one another and we love one another. And like Jesus, we'll gird ourselves with that towel. And bend down and wash one another's feet. When you got that kind of heart, why would you not want to follow somebody like that? So Abishai sees this giant. The Bible actually says this particular giant was possibly even better than Goliath. He had trained all of his life just to get revenge for his family. He was a straight-up assassin. He just wasn't just the warrior of the Philistines. Uh, he was a straight-up assassin. He was good at all kinds of weapons. Uh, his weapons were incredible and huge. Uh, he sees David up in his age, and he's thinking, this is now we get our revenge. We're going to take this guy out now. And he ambushes him, and he's winning. And little Abishai... Raised up with all the stories of David. Raised up, still young, probably about David's size. Looks across the battlefield and sees that David's about to go down. Flies across the battlefield and, and blows up on Ishbibanob. And takes him out. And just like. And if I can paraphrase it for you. Um. Hey, man, this is what you trained me for. This is what you prepared us for. I got this. Come on, big boy, let's dance. <laughs> it's my turn, not your turn. <laughs> Takes him out. And says to his uncle David, why should the light of Israel go out? This is what you prepared us for. I got this. I got this, Papa. I got this, Pastor. I'm stepping out. 
Look, you, re- you poured into me. You prayed for me. You walked with me through that sickness. You came and saw me in the hospital. You, you, you were there for my family when we were going through that thing. Y- y'all showed up in the midnight hour. Come on. Y'all fought the devils in hell for my soul. I, but guess what? I'm stronger now. I, I'm robed with the power and the authority and the strength of God. I got this. We're talking about being ruthless with sin. I told somebody and I prayed for I said, if a snake crawled under the door of your bedroom and you saw a poisonous snake coming to you, it wouldn't even matter if it's poisonous for me. I mean, good snake, dead snake. Dead snake, beautiful snake, love it, dead. Maybe fried, depending on what brand of snake it is. But it, oh, don't look at me like that. Y'all from Arkansas, y'all eat all the stuff we do in Louisiana. If it moves and breathes, it fits in a gumbo nicely. (laughs) Sometimes even if it's just fresh on the side of the road, possibly, I don't know. But if you saw that snake coming out of you, would you just go lay down in your bed? (laughs) I I don't see it anymore. It's not going to bother me. I'm just going to lay down. (laughs) I don't think so. You would tear that bedroom to pieces looking for that snake, and that snake would be a dead snake before morning. Can I get an amen from the church? But you let sin in your bedroom. And you got some sin in your DVD cabinet. And you got some sin channels that you never blocked. And you go to a movie and they, and they use the Lord's name in vain and you don't even get up and walk out when they just cursed your God. Who side you on? I'm sorry, who are you fighting for? Who, whose side are you on? Because you just let them blaspheme God and you just sat there because the special effects are amazing? Darkness or light. Ruthless with sin. You got a sin issue, you got a sin problem. If you got a drug addiction problem, you're going to go and you're going to ride up and down where they sell the drugs up and down the street. Uh, you got a drinking problem. You're just going to go troll, crawling past those bars and just prove how strong you are now. I can just go and just show. And then you get one sniff of it and you, you're gone. Because you're trying to. Sh- no, that ain't, that ain't what we're talking about. We're talking about being ruthless with your sin. Put it under. Put it under. Th- Some of y'all don't want to look at me. Why are we losing people in the church? We're losing them to sin. We're losing them to demon spirits who have set a trap for you and they have ambushed you and they've attacked you in some way. Some are stealth predators and they're taking you out because you left the door open. You left the window open. You live in a bad neighborhood. You don't lock your door. You just go. Authority is one thing. I don't know if I can deliver you from stupid. <laughs> First John 3, 8 says, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might undo, which means destroy, loosen, and dissolve all the works of the devil. Hallelujah. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. I'm not preaching on the whole armor of God, but can I ask you a question right now? I'm going to read a few verses just before that. Can I ask you a question? How many of you pray on the whole armor of God every single day of your life? Two people. Cool. How many of you, starting tonight, will pray on the whole armor of God every day of your life? 
you're going to go to battle and you're, you're going to try? Try hard. You're going to go out to battle and not put on your armor? Armor has been provided for you free of charge. Jesus paid for it on Calvary with his blood. Your armor was bought by precious blood. So you could be mighty and overcome, and not only overcome for yourself, but actually set other people free. But you're just going to leave that stuff over in the corner rusted. You're not going to pick up your sword. You're not going to pick up your shield. Fiery darts of the devil are going to go into you, and you're like, somebody pray for me. Can you help a little bit? Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against, stand firm against all the schemes of the devil. For our struggle, look at this, is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers. I'm going to break this down. Against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly or high places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist. Say resist. It's a reason. So you may be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything, stand firm. It goes into the whole armor of God. I'm not going into that. The word resist here is the Greek word antitasso. It means this, to set oneself against something or someone. To range out in battle against something or someone. To square off against somebody or someone. To oppose them. So it is not a passive thing. It is an active thing. Folks, we haven't even got into the heart of this yet, and I think some of you I'm already kind of losing a little bit, spiritually speaking. And what are we fighting against? It'd be strong. Indunameo in the Greek means to acquire strength. Where? From God. You're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus against all these principalities and powers. God has made you the head and not the tail. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every, every tongue raised against you in, in judgment, God himself will condemn because this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, bought for by the blood of Jesus. It is your birthright. It's your heritage. This is your armor. This is your sword. This is your shield. I, I advise you to put it on and strongly resist. Come against what's coming against your family. Come against what's trying to steal your children's souls and your grandchildren's souls. Fight back. Not against man, against hell. These spirit rebels that are named here, I'm going to bust through this quickly, real quickly. This is like a six-week teaching course in five minutes. Boom, here we go. Against principalities. We're talking, I'm going to give you some of the King James of it. Against principalities, the Greek word is archus, chief rulers, the beings of the highest rank in hell's kingdom. Powers, the Greek word zusha. Henchmen who have a jurisdiction and have derived their power from these chief rulers. Cosmocratopus, rulers of kingdoms. Listen to this. This is applies to you. This applies to you here in Arkansas. Rulers of kingdoms, nations, states, cities. Have you ever seen a town that was destroyed by poverty? It's not just a socioeconomic or a political thing. It's also a spiritual force that affects all that stuff too. Hunger, 
violence. Some cities are so violent, they're like called the murder capital of, of, of a certain area. Do you know what I'm talking about? New Orleans is one of them. Detroit's one of them. Chicago's one another. And there are nations in certain parts of the earth that are so destroyed by violence. Little children uh, are being killed, uh, are sold into slavery, uh, and women are sold into slavery, uh, and they're routinely raped, uh, and Christian churches are wiped out. Uh, violence and murder. Uh, witchcraft. Some areas are proud of their witchcraft. You don't believe me? Drive through Salem, Mass. War in the second heavens. Wicked forces. Pneumaticos porneria. There's a reason that last word sounds familiar. Same root word as pornography. Evil influences that work against the flesh. Certain regions have it worse than others. Lust, greed. You can go out that, drive down some streets. Uh, anybody here ever drove into some parts of New Orleans and you felt the oppression? Anybody here? Just talking about a city that's not too far from you. Lust, greed, Wall Street. Control, Washington, D.C. Anger. Jealousy, bondages, addictions. How many of you know a street in Crossed, Arkansas that's full of bondage right now? You know a street in Crossed, Arkansas that's full of addiction right now. And the devil is just wholesale destroying families and destroying kids. And there's violence. And you're going, my God, how can we defeat this thing? You have more power and you have more authority than you know. It ain't going to have to do with something you carry in your hand and point and shoot. It's going to have to do with the power and the authority of Jesus Christ in you. Now you understand why this is not a sermon I can preach everywhere. Matthew 12, 29, we're told to bind up the strong man and plunder his goods. Let me explain that to you just a little bit. Let me give you two examples. They're humorous, but they're, 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 there's a message behind them. Some cat comes running down the street. He's running from the law. He crashes into your grandma's gate. His buddy has got a meth lab in a house about, you know, just within sight. He crashes in. He knows the cops are right behind him. He sees your child, that grandma's grandbaby, playing on her tricycle in the yard and says, you know what? You come with me. And he's run. Now he's got a hostage. He runs, uh, and, he, and he goes, and he, and he knocks at the door to a certain knock, uh, and this big guy who's guarding the door of the meth lab opens up the door like this, and he's looking around and says, get on in here, man. And he slams the door, and, uh, and Grandma is looking out the window, and I'm talking about every southern woman that I know right now. Every southern woman that I know, regardless of race, creed, religion, or socioeconomic background, sees her grandbaby snatched up by some goon, and they just drug him, and they walk <laughs> into the meth lab and would drug her grandbaby in there so they could have a hostage. And every mama that I know and every grandmama that I know, they would not even wait for the law. They would have the cell phone in their hand, and they'd say, I can't believe they just grabbed my baby. They just saw, they just took her in there, and, 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 and she would not even wait. She'd go up, and she would knock on the door, boom, 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 like this, and the big strong man who's guarding the door, what do you want? Like, boom! Come on, baby. Mess with my grandbaby. Right? Your mama, my mama, your grandma, my mama, all day, they all do it, right? Am I right? Do they love you that much? I'm looking at every one of you. I'm an equal opportunity offender. I'll offend every one of you right now if it make you wake up. 
I got, I got a buddy. He's probably listening to this now. He's a preacher. He told me this story. I hope I do it justice. I ain't told it in years. He told me to me years ago. Cracked me up. He was the dog catcher in Waxahachie. We were roommates in Bible school. We could not find work anywhere. We worked at a honey packing factory, and we was like swiping the bees off the honey and just like. We were starving to death going to Bible school. He was so proud, he got a job with the city. He said, man, I got a job with the city. What you going to do? I don't know. He said, but they're giving me a truck and everything. <laughs> and his job was to go pick up the dogs that got run over on the railroad track. <laughs> and the dogs that died under people's houses. He said, Paul, he said, he said, the day I quit was the day somebody said, my dog's laying under the house. And I don't think it feels good. The dog had been dead for days. He said, I saw the dog, I saw his leg, I grabbed the leg, and the leg come off in my hand. I said, I'm done, I quit. <laughs> That's it. So some job, it just ain't worth it, man. It just, he said, I couldn't wash that smell off my head for day. But he told this story, cracked me up. There was a guy that I knew in that town, and he, he was a highway patrolman, okay? But he, he knew all the sheriffs and all the policemen there, and his name was Tiny. Now, let me, let me kind of describe Tiny for you. Tiny was like six foot five, shoulders like a barn door, and this was back before everybody was packing semi-automatic weapons, and he's carrying like a 44 Magnum or a 357 big old Colt Python or something on his side, and, and Tiny was one of the sweetest, nicest guys that you ever met in your life. Had like a beautiful operatic singing voice, but people didn't see that. People saw Tiny, they just went like, whoa. Tiny was the guy that if somebody ran into a bar and he said, uh, Tiny, you go get him, people be diving out the windows. Tiny, come out, you know. <laughs> Tiny was the man, okay, what I was saying. Everybody loved him, but he was the man. And so there was, some dog bit some kid or something, and, and, and so my, my friend had to go and get the dog. So he goes, and, and, and it's like a big German shepherd dog. And the guy, he knocks on the guy's door, and the guy comes out, the strong man at the door. You ain't getting my dog, dog catcher. You, you just, bam, slams the door. And he said, he goes back to the police station. He said, I'm going to need a warrant. And they said, I'll just go back and knock on his door and ask him nice. Sir, I need to take your dog. We need to examine your dog, your dog, better child. By the way, examine the dog is code for we have to take your dog's brain out of your head, out of his head. Because your stupid dog bit a kid, and we have to see if it's got rabies. So. That's the way we do it. And, and he's like, no, cusses him out, even more violent. And so he goes back to the police station, and Tiny just happens to be leaning over the counter talking to him. And he said, I, 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 y'all going to have to send the law with me? And Tiny said, I'll go. <laughs> and Johnny, he's like 5'8", and Johnny was just like, turns around and goes, oh, yeah, you'll do. <laughs> Tiny parks down the street. Johnny pulls up in this little pick up the dead dog car and uh, truck, whatever, <laughs> goes back up to the door. He said, this is his words. I love this. He said, dude, I turned into underdog. Speed of lightning roar. He said, I walked up to the door. Doom, doom, doom. <laughs> I don't know what the official car, animal enforcement officer, you know, I don't know. This guy looks through the little peephole, swings the door open, cuts him out, and Tiny steps out from behind the hedge. And the guy, and the guy goes, I go get him right now. <laughs> yes, officer. 
Mr. Dog Catcher. You got juice. You got backup. The full weight of heaven. The full authority of heaven. Why aren't you availing yourself of it? Why, is, why aren't you fighting with heaven? Anybody getting anything out of this? Everybody in here knows the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, found in Galatians chapter 5. But uh, there's also the fruit of the flesh. Fruit of the flesh, immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, jealousy, anger, disputes, dissensions, envy, drunkenness, carousing. All of those things actually have a spiritual force behind them, the spiritual connotation. As believers, we get caught up in the fruit. Maybe what you should look at is the root. Because that fruit is coming out of a root. It's coming up into a tree or a vine. You with me so far? I'm breaking something down for you. Spiritual strong men are trees. They have branches. Under the spirit of heaviness mentioned in the Bible is depression and despondency and grief. Uh, And there's things that are under the spirit of fear. There's things that are under the spirit of lust. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh, We're dealing sometimes with the henchman, and we need to bind up the strong man. And then you come in his house, and you flush it out. And you finally clean out that snake's nest. That's why John the Baptist is preaching, and he looks at the religious Pharisees, and he looks at, the, he looks at those that they were not right with God. They were, they were religious, and he says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. He said, as a matter of fact, the axe is laid to the root of the tree today. Boys, I just happened to bring my axe with me. Everything that doesn't bear fruit for righteousness is hewn down, cut off, and thrown into the fire. So it's the fruit of the root. You and I are called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Strong. Bearing fruit. But we got some other trees growing around here. Been here a long time. There's even Native American cultures that have had shamanism. I went to preach in Wichita, Kansas. I, got, I went to a youth camp. The leaders of the state of this ministry, of the Assemblies of God in Kansas, heard me preach at a youth camp and asked me to go to their headquarters and go preach in their home church, a historic church. I walk in. They ne- These guys didn't know me from nobody. And the pastor turns to me and said, Now, Pastor Paul, I want you to understand that uh, everybody will be gone by 12.05. I went, so don't be offended if they get up and start walking out toward the end of your sermon. I said, I'm good with that. At 1.30, nobody had left unless they could levitate and go out on their back. <laughs> they weren't going nowhere. It broke into a two-week revival. I ended up preaching in 55 churches in Kansas. Revival hit that part of the Midwest. But what I had to deal with in Wichita was the statue of an Indian shaman that was in the center of the town 
And so their culture and their heritage was, we've got to worship the gods of the plains, and we've got to worship the God. And every church that had ever tried to take off in that area had gotten shut down because right when revival would break out, this spiritual force would come and sit on the services, almost like a claw on you. And you could, and I felt that when I started preaching, and the Holy Ghost rose up in me, and I said, I don't think so. Where's that statue? Not that there ain't any power in the statue, but let's go stand out here on the city square. How many of y'all will join me in intercession? And let's just pray and cast this thing down. God broke that in Wichita, Kansas. I end up in Topeka, Kansas, and in Dodge City, Kansas. Do you understand what I'm saying? What is it that has kept revival from surviving in this region? Because we just had the birth of a beautiful baby. But can I tell you, the baby of revival has been aborted many times here in this region. It's come through. Come through in black church. Come through in a white church. Come through in a Baptist church. Come through in a Pentecostal church. Come through. Revival would start up. Uh, it, it seemed like the service would be going good. Then people start fighting with one another. And then families start coming apart. And then they find hidden sin and the thing. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? The devil don't want you to have revival. I just want to know something. You're going to be passive about it? Really? Because if you are, I'm done. I'll say what I'm supposed to say. But I think I'm supposed to come alongside you. I think I'm supposed to drop off a little ammo. I think maybe we're going to stir up some other people to pray for you. Time to cut the root. We need to take the stronghold from the strong man. A stronghold is a mindset or a spiritual condition. Anybody, I know this is a lot to process. I'm doing like two sermons in one. I get that. It's my last night with you. Can we finish? A mindset or a spiritual condition that accepts the situation is unchangeable, even though it's contrary to the will of God. A place where you've yielded ground to Satan and you let him build an outpost to wage war against you and your family and imprison you. Go to James 4. See? Holy is the Lord. Holy is the Lord our God. Holy, holy, holy. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Holy, holy, holy. He who was and who is and who is to come. The only true God, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and his son Jesus, and the power of his Holy Ghost. James 4, verse 6, verse 5 and verse 6, excuse me. Wait a minute. No, verse 6 through 8. But he gives a greater grace, therefore it says, God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist. That's active, not passive. That's active. And he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, uh, you double-minded. Uh, what it actually says here is three things. Uh, repent, remember, and resist. Uh, do, when you repent, you take away Satan's right to do anything in your life. That's why we've been repenting. When you remember, you remember your position on authority and your heritage. Uh, who am I? I'm a son or a daughter of God. Who do you think you are, Goliath, to come against the armies of the Lord? I'll crush you, you little thing. I don't think so. I don't think so. 
Repent, remember, and resist because truth sets free on every level. So now I'm going to talk to you about some of the spirits that you're dealing with. Yeah, you don't want to leave with this part. <sighs> Jimmy, give me that water, man. We're going to fight dragons. We're going to fight against spiritual strong men. Let me give you a truth. This is something you need to remember. If you, if you don't have, if you can't, get a copy of this sermon, listen to it digitally, go online and pull this up, record it, get a copy to a friend. Truth and freedom are never won conclusively. I'm going to say this again. Truth and freedom are never won conclusively. They must be fought for by each successive generation. There can be no victory without a battle. Let me say it again. Truth and freedom are not a given. They're never won conclusively. They must always be fought for by each successive generation. There's a part for me to do. There's a part for you to do, kid. There's a part for you to do, son. There's a part for you to do, pastor. There can be no victory without a battle. You cannot afford to be passive. You cannot afford to lie down and just hope everything turns out all right. You got to pray. You've got to quote the word of God, and you've got to stand, and sometimes you've got to swing your sword. The first group of spirit rebels I'm going to talk to, I'm going to give you three classes. There's a lot, there's a lot more than this. I'm going to give you three classes because these are the ones God told me to highlight here. Are, are you listening? I call the first group intimidators. I'm going to give you the representation. Pharaoh who enslaved people, and Jezebel, who corrupted people. Joseph and his brothers, remember what happened? They're given the first, Joseph goes on ahead of them. He actually begins, he's thrown in jail, but he ends up serving. He ends up rising up through the ranks uh, in Pharaoh's kingdom. Uh, and Pharaoh saw, he sees the hand of God on Joseph uh, and realizes that his God is the real deal. When Joseph's dad and brothers come, he literally adopts them in. And Pharaoh over Egypt gives the fertile grazing lands of Goshen to this group of shepherds, 12 tribes of Israel. They live there for quite some time, growing. And as they begin to grow and this Pharaoh dies, the next Pharaoh was Pharaoh. He sees Israel as a threat. I want you to look this way. The devil will hate you not because you did something wrong, but because you do something right. The devil will hate you simply because God loves you. The devil will hate you because you have the favor of the Lord on you. The devil will hate you on the job because God has blessed you on the job. The devil will hate you in school because God is blessing you in the school. And you'll go, why is that person hating me? Why are you hating on me? It ain't even that person. It is a spiritual force that's dealing with them. And then you have people in authority, but they're evil and they're not right with God. And they're predating on you and they're hating on you and they're hurting on you and they're shutting you down. And they're wanting to put you on lockdown and no blessings for you, and you're wondering, what is going on here? It's a spiritual force. The spirit of Pharaoh always intimidates. It takes away your favor. It takes away your blessings. It enslaves you in some way. Jezebel and Ahab's wickedness, uh, they forsook the living God of Israel and began to worship Baal. They brought idols in. They were into idol worship, and they wanted their sin, and they wanted their lustful ways. Uh, and whenever the prophets of God said, you're doing wrong, uh, they said, yeah, we have to take them out. 
Jezebel's spirit hates the authority of God. Jezebel's spirit hates the fire that falls from heaven. Jezebel's spirit hates prophetic utterance. Uh, Jezebel's spirit hates true, passionate worship. Shut that down. That's too loud. Y'all singing too loud in church. We got to just sing, sing, three, sing three songs and sit down. We just... Okay, let's see who gets this. We can only sing the, the first, second, and the fourth verse. So what is up with the third verse? Is the third verse evil? <laughs> Y'all been in churches, they never sing the third verse. Everybody knows every word. They don't even look at the book. They get to, if they, somebody actually sings the third verse, people have to look at the book. <laughs> I, uh, uh, Jesus, thing, yay. <laughs> Why are people crying and coming up to the altar? Don't you know it's time to take up the offering? Don't you know it's time for the preacher to preach? Get up here crying all over the altar, coming down the altar, repenting during a worship service. What's wrong with you people? Don't you know we got to get out by 11.55? Or we have three services on Sunday morning. We got 55-minute service, a 55-minute service, 55 minutes. There ain't no room for God to move. Boom shakalaka. I rarely get invited back to those churches. I get to go one time. <laughs> Intimidating spirits are religious controllers. They're identifying marks, Pharaoh and Jezebel, Ahab, idolatrous. They offer up their own brand of religion that's very manipulative and controlling. Pharaoh exalted himself. Jezebel exalted herself. They enslave and put people in bondage and in spiritual prison and emotional prison. Israel didn't comprehend what rightfully belonged to them. When it looked at a whole group of people in Israel for hundreds of years were raised up as slaves, they didn't know they weren't brought there to be slaves. They were brought there to be landowners and shepherds and to own cattle and sheep. But a whole generation and then another generation, uh, and they're growing up thinking, this is who I am. I take mud, I take straw, I make bricks. I, I get a whip cracked over me, and I put it on, and then I go and I make some more, and my back hurts all day long, and I'm covered with dust, and this is my life. They don't even know what the heritage is. Can I say to you, the devil has lied to some of y'all. Uh, he's shut you down. Uh, he's kept you from being the precious sons and daughters uh, that you're supposed to be uh, and having the heritage uh, and the rights that you're supposed to have. Your God loves you. You are the head and not the tail. But that spirit wants to shut down the move of the Holy Ghost. Manipulative, controlling, represses freedom of worship, hates the prophets, hate God's favored ones, threatens and bullies, legalistic and political. Oh, I could roll with this for a while. And afraid of the fire that falls from heaven. Number two, the Terminators. The Bible represents them scripturally as behemoth and Goliath. Beasts that roar, relentless juggernauts, seemingly powerful, unstoppable, full frontal attack and assault, very bold in their evil, coming directly at you, head on, to kill you and to take you out. What are we talking about, these spiritual forces? A direct assault on your faith that causes you to lose hope and to lose faith in God and just want to give up. 
The doctor tells you, I've survived three kinds of cancer by the grace and the mercy and the healing virtue of Jesus Christ. But when you sit in an office, uh, and I know what our, what our brother Carl is going through and what some of you have gone through, when the doctor looks at you and says, Mr. Bradford, uh, you have a cancer. We're giving you 50% chance to live uh, through this thing. Uh, we're going to try this. We're going to try that. We're going to fill your body with poison. If the poison that we give you doesn't kill you, maybe you'll live. And when that big C comes out, that's your Goliath. And it ain't slipping in from the side to tempt you. It's right walking right up to you and headbutting you in the face. And we just we weep all day long. We can't sleep at night. Man, it's getting quiet in here. Beasts that roar and come looking for trouble. In your face challenges you. The attack that destroys your reputation. The attack that destroys your testimony. A threat to your health. A threat to the safety of you and your family. Fear. Sickness. Disease. It seems too large to beat. And when the scripture talks about, uses the word behemoth, everybody here knows who Goliath is, big monster guy. We're talking about monster spirits. We're talking about defeating monster spirits. Now you see why I don't preach this often. Some of you already got your ears pinned back. Emotionally, you're already kind of looking for the door. Man, don't stir nothing up. It's already stirred up. You think being passive? Can I tell you what they used to say in all of our parks, our national parks? If, if you are walking down a hiking trail and you come up on a grizzly bear, lie in a fetal position. True story. It would act, you could read it. It was right there at the entrance of the park. Lie in a fetal position. Cover all of your vital parts. And I'm thinking, everything's vital. <laughs> what? It's all vital. I have small hands. <laughs> I'm like, what? And when the bear approaches you, <laughs> lie still, play dead, and possibly <laughs> the bear will move on and feel that you're not a threat. Unless, of course, which is what they didn't put there, unless, the, of course, the bear hasn't eaten in a couple of days, <laughs> in which case he's going to say, Buffet. And the bear's going to go, thank you, Lord. <laughs> oh, by the way, the signs are changing now. Now, get out there what they tell you now. Grab a tree branch. Punch, kick, poke it in the eyes. Pull its ears. Bite it on the nose. Seriously, mountain lions, bear. Y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. 
Google it, baby. Because people would lie down, roll over, and in a fetal position, the other guy would be like running down the trail. I know they say don't run, but all I got to do is run faster than you because you lying on the floor. (laughs) Fool. (laughs) You know. Fight. Fight for your family. Fight for your children. Fight for your brothers and sisters. Fight against hell. Don't you lie down. Rise up. Pick up your weapons. Behemoth, when the Bible says behemoth, they were talking about the hippo because the Nile was a river that ran through that part and the hippo's territory was all over If you don't know this, hippos kill more people than crocodiles, than lions, than any other beast in Africa. Of the five most dangerous beasts in Africa, hippos actually kill more people. Would you like to know why? Because at night, people go down to draw water, and the hippos are coming out of the river. And they're just trying to graze in the field, and people will bump into a hippo. And so we're in Arkansas, so let me just kind of try to make this real for you. Okay, imagine a razorback hog that weighed 4,000 pounds with not just little tusks that were two or three inches long, but railroad spikes that were 12 inches long, a mouthful of them, having a bad PMS day. And you come around the curb and you bump into that sucker. Bye-bye. That was behemoth. Feel me? These are the kinds of spirits that are sent after you or they're roaming through what they consider their territory. And you see those manifested in some people. How many of you know somebody that you've seen those spirits manifested in them and they're overly aggressive, they're mean-spirited, they're looking to pick a fight with you, you ain't even done nothing to them, and they just want to hurt you and take you out, and if they can't hurt you, they're going to hurt everything you love. It ain't that person. It ain't just that person. That spirit may have affected them until it's literally twisted them, but it's really the spiritual force. It's the strong man you need to bind. Stop looking. The third group, anybody getting anything out of this? I call them the suffocators. The Bible uses the python and leviathan. In the New Testament, in Acts chapter 16, it was the girl, if you look into the Greek, it says the girl with the spirit of divination that came out when Paul and Silas were having a revival. And she didn't actually... She didn't try to actually come against them frontally. She, didn't, she actually was walking around acting like she was with them. But everybody knew that this girl was not only sleeping with everything around there, but she's doing incantations, uh, and she's doing stuff, and, she's, and, she's, and they knew her, she was a witch. She's walking around going, oh, these are men that are sent by God. And you would, you know, a lot of people would be deceived by that. Can I tell you, there's a lot of witchcraft in churches. 
and people not spiritual enough to recognize it. I'm looking at every one of y'all because I'm just trying to connect with y'all. Y'all understand what I'm doing here? And she said, oh, yeah, these are, I'm with them. And, and Paul turns around just like he did with the sorcerer. You are full of the devil. Come out. <laughs> Leviathan was a type for the Nile crocodile. When the Bible talks about Leviathan, it says, who can, who can deal with Leviathan? He's got scales like armor. He's, he's, it's impenetrable. Nothing can defeat him. Nothing can touch him. The Bible actually says Leviathan is the one spirit that you better not take on by yourself. It's the one spirit that the Bible says that only God can draw him out. There was a place where even Michael the archangel, the baddest warrior in heaven, came up against the devil. And you know what he said? The devil's trying to draw him out, trying to and Michael was a, he was a warrior. He could have handled him, but he just said, "The Lord God rebuke you, devil." And God said, "Yeah. Here I am." <laughs> Thanks, Michael. Let daddy handle this one. Oh, guess what? Daddy's always there. So here's what you need to know. Oh, here's what you need to say. My daddy can whip your daddy. <laughs> my daddy did whip your daddy. And my big brother whipped you too. So, no, you don't want none of this. <laughs> That's not in my notes, but I love that. The spirit of Puthon, the Leviathan spirit, stealth predators. Where do you find them mostly? You're going down to the river to get refreshed, to bathe, uh, 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 to, to drink, to relax in the shade by the river. You're, you're relaxed. You're, you're, you're distracted. You're not alert. And the stealth ambush predator, one of them is up in the boughs of a tree uh, and falls down off the branch, uh, hits you, crushes you under the weight, begins to wrap you up. Uh, and you, every time you try to draw a breath and you breathe out, it tightens up and it tightens up more and it can't breathe. I was just going down to the river of God. I was just going to revival. Where'd this come from? And then your bones begin to break. Because it has to break your bones before it devours you. These are predators that dismember. The Nile crocodile was lying in wait. Yuck, look, I used to watch Discovery Channel with my wife and my daughter, and they were, you know, they're, they're, they're girls. I mean, they're girls, you know. I mean, I'm like, they're watching all this animal planet stuff. They finally come to the good part. Where the gazelle and the wildebeest are coming down to drink at the river, and all of a sudden something grabs them by the snout and jerks them under, and death rolls, and you're like, cool, and, and your wife is hitting you. Your little girl's crying. I'm going, what? It's Discovery Channel. You guys, look at some of you guys, you're so busted. You did. You did the same thing. You're like, that's awesome. Not if you're a gazelle. And then the coolest thing happened, we have to watch it a little bit longer, and a mother lion comes down with her cubs, and my daughter is going, turn it off, turn it off, daddy, turn it off. I'm not going to watch that monster eat them little baby lions. That's, you know, that's Simba. And Well, I, I didn't watch the cartoon. Okay, give me a break. 
my kids can quote it, whatever. My grandkids do. And, and, and here comes this mother lion. She's come down with her cubs. And the mother lion gets down there, and everything else has been going down, y'all. And the mother lion, she's walking up, and the babies are walking. They're looking like this. They're taking their cues from the mama lion. Uh, and they, they're, they're about to bend down and drink, and you like the music begins to shift. It's almost like Jaws. <laughs> and you're like, uh, and I don't know if I want to watch this either. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the mother lion goes, makes a huffing noise. And her head comes up. She ain't even gotten near the, out of the water yet. And the baby's head's come up. And she starts backing up. She ain't seen nothing. And she leaves the river. It's called discerning a spirit in the kingdom of God. It's called hearing from God and knowing about a stealth attack that's about to happen before it happens. What is that Leviathan spirit? You better listen to this. I can't tell you how many preachers I've known has gone down to this one. It dismembers you with the death roll. It gets in the water. You get disoriented. You're flipping over and over. You don't know up from down. And, and it dismembers you. What does that mean? See, to remember means to put back together. To dismember means to be torn apart. It tears you apart so it can devour you. Causes your family to break up. Causes your marriage to break up. Cause your kids not want to talk to you anymore. Then you give up hope and you don't even want to go back to church anymore. This spirit attacked you sometime when, even when you were trying to serve God. Maybe because you were trying to serve God. And it comes after you to take you out before you become mighty. You boy, I came down to the river of God. Yeah, I got attacked in revival. I got, I got hit with the spirit of lust in revival. Oh, wow, it got quiet in here. Why do you think they cover people up here? Oh, true. Nobody wants to see your shiny backside. I know. I, I get that. But what it really is is these pastors are protecting you from at opportune moment. Whenever you're not even you're not even trying to look at somebody, but it just happens to go and, and your eyes get locked there, and the devil stealthily. You didn't come there to lust. You came there for God, you know. But all of a sudden, it's just like, now it's in your head. Now it's in your heart. Now you're contacting somebody on Facebook. Now you're both sinning. Now two families are destroyed and a church is in mourning. I'm sorry, y'all don't think this is for here, right? I need to preach this summer. I just need to wait like another seven years to preach this, right? Python slowly squeezes you. You can't get your breath. Spirit of heaviness. It manifests like this. You're unable to focus anymore. You can't focus on prayer. You can't focus on the word. I don't, maybe nobody here has ever been through this. See, there's people here that need to be set free tonight. You become weaker. You, be, you, you feel cold. You're getting, you're getting drowned. You're getting drawn down. It's crushing and restricting your movement. Financial pressure is bearing down on you. Somebody here tonight, financial pressure has just crushed you. You've given up hope. You, you're frustrated. You feel fatigued. How do these monster spirits, how do they get defeated? I'm, I'm going to start moving toward closing. You have been very patient. Thank you. But this 
It's not regular church. This is revival. This is camp meeting. Grow up. Toughen up. Hunger for the word of God more than you hunger for other stuff. Pharaoh and Jezebel are intimidating, controlling spirits. What did God use to combat them? He sent Moses, a guy who went from being a murderer and a slave owner. Pharaoh's adopted son in a system of bondage has to leave, goes to the backside of the desert. God breaks him down, turns him to a shepherd that has to tenderly take care of baby lambs and take care of his heart gets transformed, has an encounter with God. Now he goes back to set captives free. The murderer that should have been dying in prison or killed for his crimes is turned into a shepherd. And I'm going to tell you how you take on Pharaoh. You have the power of anointed shepherds raised up by the glory of God who love the lambs and will fight for the sheep and will lead people out of captivity into the freedom and into the promises of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's the anointing that God wants to release. True-hearted shepherds in this region and under-shepherds under them who will fight for the flock. Are you hearing what I'm saying? better thank God. He learned the power of speaking God's word and speaking the promises of God. He learned the power of the blood covenant and the atonement that set at liberty the captives and they danced out of Egypt with the spoils of Egypt. He learned to move in the supernatural power of God. How did you also come against Jezebel? God raises up the spirit of Elijah. Prophetic fire always trumps intimidation. The spirit of Elijah exposes and casts down idolatry. The spirit of Elijah always takes God's side. He passed the mantle of double authority to the next generation, and that's you that I'm going to pray for tonight. Uh, he was uncompromisingly righteous. Uh, he was ruthless with sin. Uh, he raised up Elijah and Jehu to finish what he started. How do you deal with Behemoth and Goliath? Almost done. I'm telling you what the problem is, but I'm giving you the solution. How do you deal with terminators? God raised up a woman named Deborah. When evil King Sisera with his chariots of iron, it was crushing everybody under his feet. She gets a warrior named Barak. She gets Deborah, the prophetess who sat by the tree, and she would judge Israel. He gives them dynamic strategy. To t they raise up the Nazarite warrior generation. And when Sisera runs for his life because they're thumping his head, a little girl in a tent with a tent peg and a spike nailed his hide. Ladies, God's raising you up too. <laughs> Woo! Wise strategic leadership, men and women working together for the kingdom of God. No second-class citizens. 
prophetic intelligence and tactics. <laughs> Cicero was a type for the Antichrist, by the way. And then comes along David to deal with Goliath. Uh, heroic faith, valor, honor flowing both ways, transferable giant killer anointing, team ministry, kingdom uniter, team building, uh, armor bearers with holy boldness. And this is the final thing. But we ain't finished. How do you deal with something like a python and a crocodile? Stealthy. You don't see it coming. The only warning you would get would not be something you see or touched, but something you felt. Okay, somebody's listening. Somebody's listening. Receive strength in your, in your fleshly body now so that you can get this because this next little bit may save your life. I've lost so many friends to these spirits. I have been personally attacked by spirits of death, disease, temptation, all of the above. I'm thankful that God helped me survive in part to a woman I was married to for 36 years that had more discernment than I did. She actually turned to me one day and said, when did you get discerning of spirits? You're finally starting to hear from God. I went, thank you. It takes a while. But thank you. <laughs> Paul and Silas, the New Testament church on Holy Ghost fullness. Holy Ghost power and authority rebukes witchcraft and brings revival. Orchestrates prison breaks. Boldly declares the gospel of Jesus Christ. Heals the sick. Casts out devils, raises the dead, fivefold ministries founded on the apostles and the prophets. Uh, they remember what was dismembered. They restore what was stolen. They discern spirits with word of wisdom and word of knowledge. They have an early warning system of attacks, uh, and they know what to do when it's time to do it. Uh, last passage of Scripture, Revelation chapter 12. Love you, Holy Spirit. Oh, by the way, during this altar service, I'm going to pray very, very loud Christian music. I like soft prophetic worship too, but tonight I'm going to play head-banging, head-thumping Christian music. I'm sorry. We're marching for war. So it's not you're not just going to see me, feel me, but hear me. As a matter of fact, the very first song you probably never heard of, a guy by name Chris Burns, he starts out with a uh, passage from the Psalms, and it goes like this. So just in case you get offended easily, I'll go ahead and tell you the first line of the song, or the first line of the chorus. He goes, and then the Lord awoke. He's, this is right out of the Psalms. He said, and then the Lord awoke as if from a sleep, like a warrior overcome with wine. I mean, if that hits you wrong, just wait, let me finish the rest of it. And he, the way he's saying is, it, you'd be like, if somebody who's a warrior and they went to sleep drinking, and you really probably don't want to poke them and wake them up. So that's, that's the, that was the phraseology that King David was writing in his psalm. So just get on him, not me, okay? He said, then the Lord awoke like a warrior overcome with wine, and he arose and drove back his adversaries, uh, and he smote them on their porch. Now, if you come up on somebody's front porch and thump their heads, you own that house. Or maybe you took that house 
and he taking it back. He coming up on your front porch. I'm coming on your front porch. You just did too much. You messed with my babies. You should have never stirred me up. Can I tell you the Lord is awaking right now to the cries of his church right here. I think it's going to have to be a while before I come back. I think there's just a little so much that they can take of this. Bless them, Lord. Help them, Jesus. Revelation 12. Here's what it is. Sometimes. Revelation chapter 12. It's kind of kind of amazing what God's done here. You just had a beautiful granddaughter. We were praying last night, and everybody was praying for Michelle. My wheels, I love Michelle. Came to three of these revival services out of four. We're rejoicing because of the birth of the child. Whole church is rejoicing. But in this story, a child is in danger. And in this story, God has protected a natural child that's a part of this church, it's part of this church family. But the baby of revival, I said the baby of revival has been aborted here before in this town. And this baby of revival, this has been real. This has not been generated by man. This has been real. You heard the testimonies. And because it's real, it's even more of a threat to this final monster. And this is the monster. This is the monster. A great sign appeared in heaven. We're talking about things that have happened and things to come. A woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and on her head, a crown of 12 stars. I'd love to break all this down for you prophetically what it means. But I, I don't have time tonight, so I'm going to give you the spiritual purpose of this. And she was with child. And she cried out, being in labor and in pain to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns, and on his head were seven diadems. I think you can probably figure out who this guy was. His tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she gave birth, he might devour her child. Freeze frame, look this way. My dad is pastoring a church. We got a call. Someone was in ICU dying. He said, jump in the car, Paul. Let's go. We got to run to the hospital. We were driving from Mangum, Louisiana to Monroe, Louisiana. It was, uh, he said, I don't know if we'll make it in time. We got to go. And then we get on I-20. We're scooting it. Got on I-20 about Ravel. We're scooting. It's almost evening time. We looked out. My dad was raised by farmers. They lived off the land. They raised everything they ate. We're driving past, and there's a mama cow trying to have a calf. The afterbirth is, uh, is partially out. The placenta is separated. The calf is almost completely out. It obviously had been a very, very difficult birth, and she was staggering from it. Her legs were splayed out. She was like this. 
In front of her were two coyotes. Behind her were two coyotes. They had come in a pack. There might have been others. We didn't see them. It's close enough in the pasture that we can see them, how bold they were to come that close to the highway, not probably 100 yards off the highway, okay? Coyotes would never normally come against a full-grown mother cow. They're, they're, they're too cowardly. But she was weak because she was giving birth. She could not fight for herself, and they weren't after her anyway. They were after a baby. That baby was going to come out unable to stand by itself unless that mother was able to lick on it and, and revive it and get the placenta off of it. Y'all know the story. You know how it goes. But they were waiting to devour her baby, and they were drawing closer to begin to actually eat off of it before it ever came completely out of her womb. I, my dad was always a calm, calm guy. There were things about my dad I did not know for years. I did not know that my dad was an honorary member of the Louisiana State Troopers until he died. Maybe it was soon before he died. He never would tell me. He never would talk about. It. He never talked about himself. I found that I'm asked my mom. She goes, "Remember when your dad would get called out to do hostage negotiations sometimes?" I went, "Yeah." She says he was actually working for the state troopers. I said, "I knew even though I was a black belt in kung fu, he threw me over the couch one time." I just thought he was like his barber hands from cutting hair was really strong. He just grabbed me and you know. My dad. He was always so calm, and he, my dad just blew up. He pulls the car over to the side of the road. He gets out of the car. Get out of here. He's screaming at these coyotes. They jumped up. They ran a few paces, and they turned and looked at him. When they saw that he wasn't coming at them, or he couldn't come over the fence, and he's looking, he's looking at his watch. There was a man dying that he wanted to lead to Christ. I've never seen my dad that torn. I've never seen my dad cry over something like that. He never was an animal lover. He didn't like pets. He didn't. You know, he just wasn't into all that stuff. And I'm watching my dad. He's driving down the road. He's not. He won't even talk to me. And I, I didn't know what to say. And I'm just a teenager, a young teenager, and I, I'm just like, like this. And my dad's driving. He's crying. <laughs> I can't die. There was something waiting to devour him before it ever had a chance to really live. I'm stopping in the middle of the story. I don't even actually have this in my notes. I didn't remember this till just now. I used to tell this illustration a long, long time ago. But I want you to hear me. You think this is a game? This is just like preacher come, preacher preach, preacher get checked, preacher leave town. Um, and then you haven't been watching what's been going on. Because I could play that game. I can preach you happy. I can preach you sad. I learned how to do that, but I don't care about that stuff anymore. I don't care whether you're impressed by my eloquence. I care that you get this. I care that you get this because this is, this is life and death of not just families but of churches and of communities. Because right now, what's happening here is the next greatest, best hope for revival for the land. And she gave birth to a son. Y'all think y'all could stick this out till we get through? 
gave birth to a son, a male child, who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. Her child was caught up to God and to his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God that she would be nourished for 1,260 days. There was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. The dragon and his angels waged war. They were not strong enough. There was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil, and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come, for the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, he who accuses them before our God day and night. And I want to stop right there before I read the last and final verse, and I want you to understand we're talking about something that happened at the beginning of known time as we know it and that is continuing through today to this last verse that I'm about to read. And they overcame him. By the way, this verse is not about angels. By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they love not their life even when faced with death. I'm here to recruit. You take this, and you help him, please. Sorry I bark out orders sometimes. I'm here to recruit. I'm here to recruit the warriors that overcome the dragon by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they're all in, even to the death. Though God slay me, yet will I trust him. Even when facing Goliath. I come in the name of the Lord. Goliath. How dare you defy my God. You foul spirit. I'm not hurting anyone. killing any more of my family. I know alcoholism runs in my family, but not one more. I know every one of our kids coming up were molested and raped, but not one more. I know you've robbed us financially and you've shut down everything in this town. But you don't pay my bills. God pays my bills. And if it, if it has to come up in a fish's mouth, he'll even tell me where to drop line. But you cannot be passive. You cannot just lie down in a fetal position and think the devil's going to ignore you. He just goes, thank you. You just made it easy. Now I'll kill you and your kids because that strong man thing works both ways. If you're the strongest Christian in your family and he takes you out, easy peasy. 
It is not just about you showing up in church and kicking something in the offering plate. You won't play church? Go someplace where they play church. Just someplace where you won't be challenged. Someplace where everybody tell you you're just fine. As long as you show up and you're on our roll, you're just fine. Dragons, we ain't seen no dragons around here. No, you're just losing your babies left and right. You wonder where they went? They just disappeared out of your pew. Just disappeared out of your house. You never saw them again because they were devoured. Because you never taught them how to fight. You never taught them how to live in righteousness. And you yourself don't live in enough righteousness to know when the devil is robbing you blind. <sighs> I know you just walked in the door, but would you get up, find your guitar and get up here? I know you just walked in the door. Here, wait, come here. Tag in. I don't know why I think the way I think. I don't know why I'm wired the way I'm wired. This is what he wants me to do. So. It's not dramatic pause. He's listening. First part of the altar call. I hope I can say this, Pastor. You're either in bondage or you're under attack. And you need to have it broke off. You need to be lifted up off the ground where you've been getting beat on. You need to be healed. And you need to have a sword put in your hand. But first, you've got to be restored. First, you have to be remembered where you have been dismembered and dismantled and you've been shredded and torn. And you've been broken and you've been weeping and you gave up. You lost your faith. You lost your strength to read your Bible. You lost your strength to pray. You've just been dialing it in. And you're hoping nobody notices. But the devil has caught sin of your blood trail. And he's tracking you. And because you haven't cried out to God and you haven't received the strength to stand, rise up, and fight, you're not only supposed to be overcoming for your own self and for your families, you're supposed to arise to the place in the spirit where God said, you go there now, save them. My king, I got this on a mission. You three. Don't need the water for me. But you got a brother that's dying of thirst over here. Thank you. I know you want to bring it to me. Take care of him. Take care of her. She's failing fast. Yes, King. Demon armies rise up between you and the well. We just took this well. You can't have it. We're taking this territory for ourselves. I don't care if it was your hometown. What's that mean to us? We're taking this world. We got cast down here. 
It's ours. And not only that, let's go ahead and just take your house too. We're just going to take all the people in it too. And everything you have till you tuck tail and run or you die in front of us. That's your adversary. Kills the innocent. It's a pervert. Innocent, weak, all the easy ones. So you think you can just come to church? You're not living a Christian life. You're just part of another social organization. You're not in the army of God, much less special forces. But I'm here for the regular army, and I'm here to recruit a few special forces. First, we need to set some captives free. We need to heal some wounded. Ushers, get ready. I need you guys to roll with me, okay? You know how we roll now. You know how we roll with warriors, don't you? I have appreciated these amazing people that serve here. Please tell Pastor. can see it in every act of service. Oh my God, I wish I could see it in your church. I'm not trying to burn you up, man. It's been the life. And we've left some of them just weeping and in despair. Because can I tell you something? Ignorance ain't bliss. Ignorance is death. What you don't know can't kill you. Pray, pray, pray. Pray, 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 pray in the Spirit. Your job is to sing over the people, sing to Abba, exalt Jesus, and He will come. Forget about us. Sing to the one you love, Jesus. Sing to the one you love. Who are you? You love God. This isn't a message for the sinners in the room. This is a message for everybody here. Sinner and saint. Mature believer. Baby Christian. That you, you've just, you've been on the ground. You've been getting kicked and beaten. You've been disoriented. You've been confused sometimes. You've been fearful. You haven't known what to do next. And you really need God to come to your rescue right now. But you're going to go from being rescued tonight to being the rescuer. Who are you? Will you quietly come and just make me one line right here? You need prayer. You just say, look, I'm, I'm being real. I'm going to be real. And can I tell you, I've been, I've been the person who had to come up for prayer many times.
We hope you enjoyed this message from Freedom Ministries. For more information and to stay connected with us, find us on Facebook or the web at freedomministriescrossit.com.